All right. Today we have Lorraine Marie Varela. We'll be talking about being fully restored through a topic that we hardly talk about, which is abortion. Now, Lorraine Marie Varela is a screenwriter and the author of Powerful Moments in the Presence of God, Love in the Face of Isis and Plan from the Start, a healing devotional. Lorraine and her husband, Gabriel, co-founded Inspiring Faith International, a ministry to help people from all walks of life draw closer to God. Lorraine and Gabriel live in the Los Angeles area where they are involved in the development of their film, Love in the Face of Isis, a war drama Lorraine wrote based on shocking events during the 2014 uprising of ISIS in Iraq. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood. I'm your host, Sharon Khan. I'm here to connect you with some amazing gems of mothers from all walks of life. Each week, you'll hear interviews as well as resources and actionable tips that you can implement in your daily life to be the best gem God has called you to be. Thanks for walking this journey with me today. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood podcast, Lorraine. Sharon, it's so nice to talk with you this morning. Thank you for having me here with you. Yes, absolutely. It's so good to have you here. Now, you know, as a filmmaker, I just want to talk to you about films right now, but I know we have a little bit more of an important topic to talk about. Now, you wrote a devotional called Plan from the Start. What prompted you to write this healing devotional? Well, it came through the film Unplanned, so we could actually go back and talk about filmmaking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm a screenwriter, and I was at a writer's conference in 2015 where the directors and writers of Unplanned were actually speaking to a group of people. And at that point, I was not a screenwriter. I wasn't thinking about film, and I was just there because I wanted to connect with my publisher, who that day had just given me the contract for Love in the Face of Isis, a prayer strategy guide. Mm. And as the directors of Unplanned were speaking, God downloaded a script into my heart. And that's how I became a screenwriter. That's how I got involved with the, the, the directors. This was long before Unplanned even became, um, uh, went into development and production. So when that when that movie did go into production, they reached out to me and to my husband and asked us if we would be their, their online, I'm sorry, their pastors for the film. Mm. Um, and that, that, that movie would go ahead of the one that I had written for them. And so we dropped everything and we just gave the next two years of our lives to serve their vision and their ministry. We were on set, um, for unplanned, saw healing miracles, Mm. so many different things. But when we came back, the, um, Carrie Solomon and Chuck Councilman, we got together and they asked me if I would write a healing devotional for women who'd been impacted by abortion because Mm. of all the stories we'd heard and saw on set, people were just opening up about their past. Uh, we had people that had had abortions 40 years and they never told a soul. I mean, we had best yeah. friends come on set and the one friend had no idea that her friend had gone through an abortion until she came on set. So there was such a, a willingness to share because they didn't feel shame any longer. Mm-hmm. They felt like there was an acceptance of who they were. They wouldn't be shunned because of this um, part of their past. Mm-hmm. And so we just saw amazing things happen. And so as a result, um, because I'd written a devotional in the past, the one that you had mentioned, Powerful Moments in the Presence of God, Karen Chuck felt very strongly that the Lord would have me write this healing devotional for women. And that's how the book came about. 
Mm, that's awesome. Now, I know this is a subject that the church have not addressed very much. And like you said, you know, some of these women have kept the secret in them for 40 years and because of the shame that they feel and because they never really felt like there was a freedom or an outlet for them to speak about. And we know that God is faithful to restore all that is lost. How do you think God wants to touch a mother's heart for those who have went through the trauma of it all? Right. Well, I want to say something about that because I think this is the church's biggest kept secret or best kept secret. You know, we've heard so many stories of pastors who take their daughters in for abortions because they didn't want shame on their ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, parents taking their daughters in for abortions for the same reason. Elders that have actually raped girls in the church and then forced the parents to take them in for an abortion. So, you know, it's like this, this horrible secret. In fact, the statistics say that 70% of women who go in for an abortion claim to have a Christian religious preference and 43% have attended worship services in their church at least monthly. So we know that this is this very prevalent. Um, but your question was, um, I think it was, how, how does God want to touch a mother's heart for those that have gone through the trauma? Is that correct? That's, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Um, First of all, I think that he wants to expose the areas that the enemy has come in to create havoc. What we found and what I found in my research for writing this book is talking to those that have undergone abortion is that many women don't even realize the the numerous ways that abortion affects their lives, their daily lives. And I think that the Lord wants to uncover shame, reveal the ways that their lives have been affected. Um, And um, I'll give you an example. There was one woman who came onto our set as a guest as a ministry guest. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was there that, uh, that she had a very visceral reaction to what was happening in the filming. And, um, it turned out that she had had an abortion and had never told anybody about it. Mm-hmm. And this, again, this was about a 30 to 40 year secret. Um, and so she didn't realize until she had read the devotional that I'd written all the different ways that abortion had affected her. And one way in particular that was really powerful is that she says, I can remember this, this, this vision I have of the time that my daughter was young, my oldest, and she was a toddler and she was playing. And I felt such a disconnect from my, from my daughter. And I couldn't understand why it's like, she's there playing and I'm right here with her. And I felt nothing. I didn't, I felt so disconnected and she couldn't Mm. understand why. And that is, she didn't realize until going through the devotional and, and receiving some healing that that that's one of the primary ways that the enemy comes in to divide relationships, not just with your children that you'll have later, but also with your significant other, with your spouse, um, with your parents, with with those that are in your, your innermost circle. Mm-hmm. There's relationship struggles. And you may think it's just a personality issue. You may think it's, you know, some other cause, but really it was that, that cutting, that severing of the ties through abortion that has affected other relationships as well. And we don't know that. We 
that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that that's really, really deep. And, you know, it makes you think really of that scripture on how the devil prowls around like a roaring lion when you just never know how the enemy creeps in, even in attacking in that manner whereby you said it, you cut off that accord, you have that disconnect. And, and so, with that disconnect, how can they reconnect themselves back to their identity and to the people that love them? Yeah. Well, I think the way that you reconnect is the way that we all reconnect when Satan has come in to steal something from us, steal our identity, steal our hope, is that we have to reconnect to the Word of God and to who He says that we are. You know, we can always um, see a negative situation in our natural, but we need to hold on to the supernatural reality of who God says that we are. He says that we are a royal nation, a holy priesthood, a people for God's own possession. I mean, he gives us so many promises in scripture and so many identity words of who we are. We're loved. We're chosen. Mm -hmm. Um, We are not forsaken. We're, you know, there's, there's just so many and we need to go back and study his word and say, God, show me in your word. Who am I? Who am I to with it? One of the best ways to reconnect your identity was um, this one question that I heard one time in a women's conference, and it stuck with me. I even placed it into the book because it's so powerful, and it is very simple. It's just sit in quiet and ask the Lord, Jesus, why do you love me? And then just be quiet and, and allow the thoughts that he places in your mind and floods your heart and write those down. And I'm not kidding you. That exercise alone can take you on a journey for, a, you know, a half hour of just constant writing. And you put yourself, take yourself out of the way. You let the Lord fill your mind and your heart with his desire and his, his comfort over you. And it's one of the best ways to reconnect to the identity. Just who am I in your mm-hmm. eyes? Mm-hmm. Why do you love me? I love that. I mean, I I, I love um, that question, you know, Jesus, why do you love me? And that is such a powerful question, you know, and to sit in that moment and just to have that communication with him and just for him to drench us with his love. I can't imagine that. I mean, it's like God oversaturates us with his love if we allow him to. Yes. Right. And I went through the book, uh, your book, um, <laughs> right here, and um, came upon day 12, you know, where it says, my truth revealed. We've heard the, the scripture, the truth shall set you free, right? And I love what you wrote, you know, I reveal truth, not to hurt hearts, but to heal, mm-hmm. you know, and that we ought to reflect in that, in that truth of God, right? And there are obviously lots of hurt and brokenness when one go through the trauma of abortion sure. and some more than others, you know, I can't imagine you know, some of the differences and et cetera, but how can these hurt be addressed and overcome? Right. Well, we have to identify the hurt, first of all, because we can't be healed from something we don't know that we're carrying. If we're, mm-hmm. we're, if we're carrying it, if it's, if it's not identified, there's no place for the healing. And that's why, you know, that, that title of that devotional is My Truth Reveals. It needs to be brought up to the surface mm-hmm. to be identified before healing can take place. Um, yeah. And then allow the Lord to, um, to take that and bring us healing. You know, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, 
we, we need to, we need to have truth reveal things to us, things that we don't want to have revealed. And I think that's one of the, um, one of the issues that abortion really affects is that we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to think about it. It's in our past. We kind of take that and lock it away, you know, stuff it down and then pretend like it's not a part of our past or our history, who we are and, um, and go on with life, not realizing that it's just festering and it's an open wound that we're seeing. Right. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, where this mom didn't even realize her disconnect with her toddler child and she was just sitting there. And we go back to the subject of how some moms who went through the trauma of abortion and that they may not understand their feelings or the emotions that they're going through. Can you kind of name some emotions that you think some of these women have gone through? Absolutely. You know, psychologists have identified five primary emotions that are universal to those that have gone through abortion, um, which are grief, guilt, shame, regret, and depression. So those are obvious to family members. Those are obvious even to women who've undergone abortion, but there are some other areas that are not so obvious. Mm. Um, so areas of um, an inability to forgive yourself or to, to forgive others mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm, is an area um, or feeling like it's impossible that God could forgive you. I remember talking um, and interviewing one of the women whose story is in this book. And she just said that she was raised in the church But when she underwent abortion, she knew, and I'm going to say in quotation marks, knew because this was a lie from the enemy, that she had committed the unpardonable sin. So she was a worship leader. She was a leader of the youth. She was, you know, doing everything that she could in the church, but it was for other people could get saved or be saved, but not for herself because Mm. she had already blown it. So there was that emotion. She, uh, the emotions of feeling like you're unaccepted by others and that nobody wants, you know, wants you or you have um, flashes of rage and anger or the need to feel the need to punish yourself or the dependency on alcohol and drugs and other stimulants to find that comfort um, an inability to connect with your emotions so even it could affect your sleep I mean I've heard many stories of those that have had horrific nightmares, Mm. horrific torment in their sleep as a result of abortion. So those are the lesser known areas of emotional pain, but they're, but they're still very, very real and very strong. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, for those who went through, you know, an abortion at an earlier stage versus those that have gone through uh, many, many years ago, you know, what would you say some of the some of the underlying emotions that they would show, like for those who, like, for example, the the woman who carried it for 40 years, what were some of the underlying emotions that she may not even realize that she's carrying or that she's showing? Can you share some of that? Well, first of all, for that woman who I spoke about, the number one thing was denial. We keep Mm -hmm. denial that uh, covers our heart so we don't have to deal with that pain, thinking that it'll be better if we don't address it or if we don't think about it, it's not going to affect us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there is that. There's also, as I said earlier, just the relationship issues, the difficulties in relating to people and not even knowing why. There's pent-up anger that you may be um, unleashing on others and also not understanding where that um, the source of the anger is coming from. Mm. Uh, Just, yeah, just, just 
um, at a drop of a hat being, you know, losing your cool and not realizing why. So there are, you know, sometimes we, oh, I know there was another um, one of just body issues, a lot of shame over body issues and and how we um, how we see ourselves in our body image and the disconnect there. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's very insidious how the enemy has used this anti-life spirit mm. to affect all areas of life. Mm. Wow. You know, as you were talking, I'm just thinking about how do you think some of these moms can experience being fully restored? We know that God does that. But what should they do in terms of taking a step in being fully restored? Yeah, I asked that question of one of the moms that I had interviewed for the book, and she had a very interesting response. And I think this goes back to restoration comes when you're able to forgive yourself Mm. for what has happened and to forgive others who were a part of it. You know, um, not... I'd say very rarely is the decision to have an abortion made solely by the woman without external pressure from whether it's peer pressure, pressure from parents, Mm. pressure from the boyfriend or the husband, Mm. um, or, you know, is very rarely made in a vacuum. So um, the the first step of healing is, is not just forgiving yourself, but it was also acknowledging that a life was lost. I think that was one of the biggest takeaways that um, I heard in researching for this, this book and this devotional is when you undergo abortion, you need to acknowledge that a life was lost. And that's where you see a lot of the very militant pro-abortion mm-hmm. people um, are unwilling to acknowledge that life is lost. You know, it's just a clump of cells. I mean, right. there's all this, lot, these, this terminology that's used to um, desensitize our hearts towards what abortion really is. Right. But when you recognize that a life is lost, then that begins the process of not only grieving, but of healing. Mm-hmm. And one of the um, recommendations from my friend was to name the child that you lost through abortion to mm-hmm. give that child a name. You know, we know that in Psalm 139, we hear how the Lord has fearfully and wonderfully made us while we were still in our mother's wombs and all of our days were numbered before we even saw one of them. So your child has that identity and destiny and giving your child a name is such an important part of that healing process to connect mm. you with your child and with the healing love of God. Mm. Yeah, that's that's great. Now, in your book, there are stories from people who have been healed from abortion. Now, what are some of the common themes you found? Yeah, the common theme towards heal. Well, first of all, we know the common themes that they all they all had was mm-hmm. the grief, guilt, shame, regret, and depression. That was that was universal. But the common theme for healing is just understanding that God's love is so deep that it goes beyond any sin that we could have committed. There's a story of Corey Ten Boom. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She was a, yes. um, a woman that lived through the Holocaust in, in um, Holland and saved Jewish lives. And she was put sent to the concentration camp. And that was this one, one um, thought that her sister had said while they were surrounded by the fleas and, and the, all the dirt and, the, and all of the hatred and the anger is that there's no pit so deep that God is in deeper still. Mm. So I think oftentimes Amen. we feel that abortion is that deep pit that God cannot reach, but he can and he does. Right. right. So um, that's 
that's one of the themes is that God's love broke through in each of their lives in the personal way that they could receive. Right. And he did it for my friend Annette. He can do it for you. He right. did it for my friend Michael. He can do it for you. Right. And, you know, I mean, you know, the enemy's um, biggest thing is, you know, covering us in shame. And when a woman or, you know, when a mom is being covered in shame, it's, it's hard to break free from it unless she truly allows God to heal her through that. And so you mentioned that journaling is a powerful tool to bring about healing. How have you found journaling to be effective to heal the wounds of the heart? Yeah, I believe that, well, first of all, there have been studies that talk about the emotional connection between journaling and um, and and uh, healing. It's just very interesting. Um, when you actually take your pen to paper and, and you write, there's, there's something about that, that balance that goes, that just releases something within right. you. So um, read those studies, go find them on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but for me, I think what happens with journaling is that you, you step aside, you allow your thoughts to be set aside so that you can hear from the Lord. You know, Jesus said, my, my sheep hear my voice mm-hmm. and they don't follow the voice of another. You're able to hear God's voice speak to your heart and to tell you the things that he has stored up for you. So that there's in the Proverbs, it says it's, the, um, with, it's something about the, uh, the king's, it's the, Oh, it's the glory of kings to search out their treasures or the riches of God. You know, like we have this ability to search out the treasures and, and we do that by stilling our own voice and mm-hmm. stilling our heart and being quiet. Um, it, it says that God speaks in that still small voice. Mm-hmm. So it's giving that time to that process and not being afraid of what you're going to hear. He doesn't come with condemnation. He comes with a heart of love. Right. And many times, too, women who have gone through the process of abortion, the trauma of abortion, you know, who are moms now feel like it's too late to do something about it. But it's never too late for God. God just wants an open and willing heart from them in order for him to heal and to restore. And I have heard a story recently. Now, a girl was going through a miscarriage, and, but her doctor told her, you should just go into the clinic and abort the baby. That, obviously, she refused, and she decided to see a different doctor, but that really angers me that a doctor would even suggest that. Now, how would you encourage moms who have gone through a similar situation or moms who went through an abortion in the past or that are simply just going through it now? Well, first of all, I just want to say that um, that the shame that women heap on themselves from abortion, we really need to think about the shame really lies with the abortion provider, <laughs> the shame of telling lies, perpetuating lies, and forcing women into situations that they did not want to receive. Shame on that doctor mm-hmm. for forcing that woman to go through an experience, a traumatizing experience um, that she did not wish to have. Um, and so there has to be a place where um, women get to uh, forgive those that have um, caused such great harm in their lives. You know, there's the forgiveness is very, very key to their own healing, um, not just forgiving yourself, but forgiving those that have participated in the trauma that you experienced through abortion. Mm. 
Right. Now, is there, we're almost at the end of the show, but is there anything else that you'd like to share with other gems of mothers out there? Yes, I would say, first of all, if you're listening to this broadcast and it's touching your heart, don't put off healing. Mm. Don't put it off. Don't be like my friend who waited 40 years before she was able to sit before the Lord and receive his heart of compassion and love. You know, your voice is powerful. You have a story and your experience can be turned to a greater glory to help others who may be walking through what you walked through. Your story may be a story that prevents others from going through the pain and the trauma that you've gone through. Um, We don't know yet what God is going to do in your life as a result of this trauma from your past. But if you lay it in his hands and give that to him and say, Lord, I'm willing, um, you could be used of the Lord in a powerful way. We see that happen so many times and the tide needs to be turned. Your voice needs to be heard because culture wants to say that this is normal, that this Mm -hmm. is healthy, that this is a right that murder, Well, it is murder. Murder Mm -hmm. is a right that we can inflict on our most vulnerable. You know, it's so against our nature as women and as mothers to kill our children. Right. But our society hasn't programmed us to believe that that is normal, that's good. And if I want to get ahead in life, then I need to think of me first. It goes against the mothering instinct that God has placed within Mm -hmm. you. So I would say, don't be afraid. Don't put it off. Um, and that's exactly, you know, get a hold of the devotional. You can email me and I'll, I'll you know, just, um, I want this to, this devotional to go out, mm-hmm. to be put into their hands. I really do because um, it's something that you can do within the privacy of your own home. I think that's another thing to break through that shame. Sometimes we need to go um, inward and have that healing before we can go outward and speak clearly with our voices, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know, ladies, I kind of encourage you to pick up that journal because I went through the pages and there's just so much truth and just so much healing um, in the devotional. And it really helps you to just sit down and reflect on God's love on you and how he wants to fully restore all that was lost. And so I just thank you, Lorraine, for, you know, writing this devotional and coming on to the show. I I, I appreciate all the gem nuggets that you shared and just how you could encourage and help women and moms who have gone through this trauma of abortion and just finding the process of healing and being fully restored. Yes. Thank you so much, Sharon. And I just, I pray a blessing over every person who gets a hold of this devotional, that God would just meet you in that quiet place, that he would restore that what was lost and that he would bring refreshing and healing to your body, soul, and spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll also find show notes with actionable tips and any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I hope you will find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You're an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. Remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in him. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.